to the siren. Friedrich, you don't know how we ended up in this position that we are, but one adios motherfucker later, and you are just watching as Quinn has gone full coyote ugly up in this piece. Like he took off his shirt. He's on the bar dancing on the tabletops. Like people are buying him drinks. Like the band is playing like swing music all of a sudden. And you're just watching in a very wide eye motion as you're watching your colleague and your friend just go buck wild in this bar. And that's is it jazz music? Yeah, it's okay. okay. The song that is playing is join us for a match gathering. It is basically a jazzy song that's join the party, everyone. Come on. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so Friedrich, your friend is like dancing on the tabletops like there's no tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, and now we're up to 37, Mr. Mainers. I'm wondering when is it going to start getting into felonies here? Oh, Dev, let me roll for this now. (laughs) Oh, no. Nah. Quinn might be. Quinn is like five sheets gone to the wind, but he hasn't done any. He hasn't complete. He hasn't committed any felonies yet. But yeah, he's currently dancing so, on the tabletops. The other officers are like getting into it, and you're just sitting at the bar. And as you are, as you're kind of taking this in a little bit, I will say to give more of kind of context clues here. The booth that you usually sit with Quinn and Dawes, there's a window that's behind you so you can still see what's out in the streets. And as you're kind of calculating in your head how many misdemeanors Officer Quinn has committed so far within the span of 20 minutes. Let me get this straight. In military parlance, Quinn is utterly shit-faced. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. He Again, he is five sheets gone in the wind. Like, he thinks he's in Coyote Ugly. Like, it's getting out of hand. But, like, he hasn't done anything terrible. Nothing has broken yet. And people keep buying him drinks and shots and things like that. And as you continue to count the misdemeanors in your head, you look out the window. Yeah, 42. So you look out the window a little bit. And coming down the street, passing the bar is... what. Is Officer Dawes, but like she's dressing a nice little orange dress and her hair is usually when she's at work, she puts it like in a messy bun and with her policeman's cap and everything. But her hair is all nice and curled. It's all is let down like she's got some makeup on. You could tell she's wearing this long dress and some high heels and you see her kind of just walk past the bar as she's going down the street holding her purse and things like that looking to be in somewhat of a huff of a little bit i immediately forget about quinn because i'm pretty sure he's done this a couple of times so i know that they are going to take care of him in case he falls and cracks his skull so i'm just going to quietly leave and go check on officer dust wondering where is she going Okay, so you walk outside the bar. She's about, eh, I want to say, from where you are down the street, she's about, eh, I'll say, 10, 15 feet. So she's walking in a kind of fast walking fashion as fast as she can in some Louis Vuitton high heels. Oh, so so, she's going all out. Yeah, (laughs) so you just hear the click clack of the high heels hit the pavement. 
as she continues to walk. She doesn't know that you're there because her back is towards you, but you can see her walking like in a huff. Knowing how quiet Frederick can be when he walks, I wait until I'm like five feet behind her and then I just go. Oh, no. So Quinn, not Quinn, Dawes, she jumps when you say her name and she distinctly like grabs her purse and turns around without really looking and full on like smacks you across the face with her purse. And then she realizes it's you. It's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I am so sorry. I, uh, I am so sorry. And she looks in her purse and she standing there angled a little bit. <laughs> and without even blinking, I'm just going, I'm just going to look and be like, don't be mad. I deserve that. And then I'll stand up straight again. I'm very sorry. It's just knee jerk reaction. I didn't mean to hit you with my purse, but. Anyways, I'm sorry. And she begins to turn around and begins to try to walk away again. I'll see you tomorrow. And she just slowly tries to get away. Hold on just a moment. Let's see you get up there. Oh, it's Oh, Oh, thank you. And she kind of blushes. Uh, I went out for a little bit. Uh, I went out for a date. didn't really go so well, but it's the usual. So now I'm just walking back to my apartment. Just, yeah, just things haven't really been, things tonight haven't really gone the way I would hoped, but eh, it's all right. I'm used to it. Would you like me to walk you to your apartment? Yeah. And she looks at you. Weren't you with Daz? Where'd he go? He's still in there, but he's... Absolutely shit-faced. He's gone. Did he have another adios, motherfucker? Yes, he did. Gosh, dang it. I don't know how many times we have told him. Right now, he's going to all the ugly on Sabah right now, so. Oh, no. He's not going to remember that. Oh, no. We're at DEFCON 3? Oh, no. More like approaching DEFCON. Oh, okay. So he hasn't started drinking out of shoes yet. Okay, we're still in the clear. Yeah, not yet. By the way, I think he broke his record the number of misdemeanors. And when I left, he was up to 42. Ah, dang it. Now I owe him money. <laughs> I'll pay him tomorrow when he's sobered up. But and she looks around and says, oh, if you think Quinn will be fine, I guess you can walk me home. It wouldn't be the first time. Plus, I was really hoping you would let me walk you home because you know how loud they can get in there. It is so much this. And so she's like, all right, then. And she takes off her heels and purse in one hand and heels in the other. She's oh, so much better. And she puts her heels underneath her arm. And as you give her this feel of reminding her how much you don't like loud crowds like that and that kind of things, she just gently puts her hand on your cheek. In a friendly way, not a romantic way, just to make it clear. But she's, oh, my little hunk of hunk of German love doesn't like loud noises and just gently slaps your cheeks. And it's just like, come on, big boy, let's get me home. And so the two of you begin walking towards her, her apartment, which is a couple blocks away, but it's close enough where you can still get back to the siren in time to make sure that no federal laws have been broken with the Dawes going coyote ugly. 
So Fried- would it be fair to assess that Friedrich is more of a homebody most of the time outside of Quinn and Daz? He really doesn't get out much, so to speak. Okay, good, because that kind of helps me with this description. So Friedrich, as you're walking Daz and following, you don't really get out too much outside of where you go with Daz and Quinn and the station and your own apartment. And the typical visits to the graveyard as well. You really don't go out too much in your own body by design. But as you're walking Quinn home and you're kind of in conversations with her about the day and just things that you normally discuss with her because y'all have been friends for a very long time. You also notice that as you're walking, there's like weird calm ambiance as you're walking through the streets of Paintown at night. Despite everything being lit up, drenched in neon lights and the shadows that come off of the street lamps, there is an odd sense of quiet and peace as you're walking through this neon kind of fantasy. And as you continue to walk, before long, you make your way to Daz's apartment and she fumbles around with her purse a little bit to get the keys before she gets to the door. And for a brief moment, she hesitates before she puts the keys into the door and she turns to you and says, thanks. Thanks for walking me home. I, I appreciate appreciate it. And you can see in her face, Friedrich, that something's still bothering her. It doesn't seem to be about the date. It seems to be a deeper kind of worry and upsetness with it. Das, what's the matter? It's it's nothing. That I'm just a little, I'm just a little upset. The date didn't go as I wanted, but it is what it is. And she looks off to the side. Das, I've known you for quite a few years now. I know when something's troubling you. You can talk to me. I would feel a lot better if you talk to me. So with Quinn, she kind of also very. So Dawes kind of just she sighs, and then she proceeds to kind of sit at the top of the series of steps on the stoop of her apartment building, and she just pats the empty space next to her to signal you to join her. To which I do go. Okay, I sit with her. Okay. And so you sit next to Daz, and for a brief moment, the silence takes over as the only thing that you hear, Friedrich, is the humming of the streetlights above and what little cars are passing by. But then that silence is broken by Daz's shaky voice, and she begins to say, I'm so upset at myself for how unprofessional I was and how I let my emotions get to me when I blew up at O'Reilly back at the apartment complex. And it bothers me to no end because I'm so pissed that I let him get under my skin, but I'm more pissed at myself that the way I talked to him, I know in hindsight it's that wasn't right, but I don't know. There's a lot of history between us two and I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it all out is all. And she begins, as you can see, Friedrich, that she's trying really hard to 
Dawes puts on an air of toughness, and she's usually the out of the three of you. She's the first one to head into danger first. She's very brash. She's headstrong. Dawes is very courageous, and she always jumps into the fire first, so to speak. But the Dawes that you're looking at right now, Friedrich, is somebody completely different. This is somebody who, for the first time since you've known them, this is someone who's been hurt. This is someone who is very vulnerable at the moment. And you can see that facade that she puts on is starting to melt away. And you're starting to get to see the what makes Daz's heart, her entire being, as you see her trying to hold back the tears as she's reveling in this explanation in this tale to you. I put my arm around her and I, you know how when you can tell when a friend is hurting and you put your arm around them to let them know that if they need a shoulder to cry on, they'll be the shoulder for them to cry on. That's basically what Friedrich is doing. Friedrich wants Das to know that he knows that she will be the first one to jump into the line of fire to protect someone. But even the people who do the protecting, they also need someone to be there for them. What Friedrich is doing is he's letting her know that he's there for her whenever she feels the way that she does right. So the moment that you put that arm around her shoulder and kind of giving the nonverbal of Everything's going to be okay. Goes closer to your chest and you can just feel her shake as she begins to cry. And you kind of spend those next couple of moments just being that shoulder to cry on as she just lets it all go. And through her tears, Friedrich, you can just hear her tell you it's just... I've been so lonely so long. It's, I don't know, it's just, when I saw her, what she's going through, missing her wife and things like that, it struck a chord with me and I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do anymore. And she continues to just cry into your chest. For the longest time, Friedrich doesn't say anything. He just holds on to her, letting her cry, her letting, letting her rant, whatever she has to do. For the longest time, he doesn't say anything. And then after a while, Friedrich, very faintly, you can hear him, hearing his voice. He's starting to choke up as well, because he also knows the feeling of being alone. Losing literally his only family at an early age. And he just says, well, if there's anything that we can do, we can try and find her wife. I'm at a loss myself. But there's always one thing that we can do, and that's try to make things better. And then he just goes back to saying nothing at all, letting us cry or whatever else she needs to do. 
Yeah. You spend the next, I'll say about 15, 20 minutes. You just allow Das to be vulnerable and to cry into your arms, Frida, as you both, in your own ways, work through that feeling of loneliness and that emptiness that something like loss fills within the hearts of those individuals who know what it's like. And the camera kind of pans out a little bit as a silhouette of your shadow and Daza's shadow just intermingling underneath the lights as the sob, the quiet sobs, Officer Daz permeate the air and the camera kind of zooms back out and turns a little bit and we come back to the park where the cast is taking their final bows of the evening the audience up in there up to their feet applauding and things like that Corey, you're on your feet with your girls and Catherine as you are giving the cast their applause and clapping it up and then as they go backstage you and your girls yes I'm including Catherine that you and your three girls are going to you make your way out and you kind of make your way out of the amphitheater still in the park with guests just chilling, talking about the show. And Catherine scans the park a little bit and says, one sec, Corey. And she walks over to seems to be an ice cream man that's hanging out in the park. And she orders a couple of things as he prepares it and then brings over ice creams for uh, as that's happening. He is going to text Crouch because he's the he's the one who he who he wants to talk to. He says, "You don't mind stopping over my place? I need to talk to you about something." So, are you sending a text message or a phone call? I, I'm sending him a text of this. Okay, so you send the text, and Friedrich will say that you get the text, but. You're currently with your situations. Corey, we'll say that the text message below, it says red and then no response after that. But Friedrich did read the text. Okay. Okay. At this point, Catherine comes back with four ice cream, like small ice cream sundaes and gives one to you, Corey, and then gives to the two girls. It's just like figure we top off a night out in the theater with some ice cream. And I hope you don't mind. And the girls are like, there. Listen, kids love ice cream. I love ice cream. It's magical. So they politely but excitedly take the ice cream, thank Catherine, and then they both go find a spot underneath like a tree that's not that far away. You can still see them, Corey, but they're sitting underneath the tree and they're eating their ice cream and kind of just being kids in a little bit. And you and Catherine make your way to a bench that it's a little bits away, but you can still see the tree because it's in front of you too. And as the two of you are sitting there eating your ice cream, watching the girls, it just says, ah, I will say, I wasn't expecting to. I knew the show was going to be a lot of fun, but I had a good time. That was a lot better than I thought it was going to be for a stage version of the Adams Family. Offstage makes pretty good stuff. I remember when I saw Twisted. Pretty good. Though, sadly... They're too, those two are too young to hear it, to listen to it yet. Ah, that is absolutely true. 
Oh, this is a good lesson to never judge a book by its cover now, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Corey, can I be honest with you? Yes. I will be honest. I would be lying if I said when I first saw you arrive at the park and come on up. I think I you pegged wrong. I thought, I don't know. It's silly, but once I saw you in that getup, I was I was a little embarrassed because I figured that I don't know. Never mind. It's silly. No, go on. Oh, and the way that you are dressed and everything. Uh, my first initial thought, as silly as it was, is I was like, "Damn, I think he's out of my league." Sorry. No. I to be honest, I originally when. I got out of my family situation. I didn't think anyone would be would love me. And Catherine puts her ice cream down a little bit. She puts her ice cream bowl down to the side, and she just slowly grabs your hand and kind of puts it on top of yours and just starts rubbing it back and forth and says, Oh, love. I was like, why do you think you're unworthy of it? Ow! Yes. One is for what I've done. I'm trying to redeem myself from my bad belief phrase still to this day, but that I've accepted. I more see myself, even though I've taken this out of myself several times. The sins of the father shall travel to the son. And... Catherine kind of conti- continues to massage your hand a little bit, but then she starts to move it closer to your palm where she grabs it a little bit. Oh, hon. Listen, I don't know the situation you came from, but if there's anything that I've learned, the past is in the past, and the future is yet to be written, so you just gotta live in the here and now. I'm because, not. Because the present is a present. Exactly. And listen, I don't know what exactly you went through in your past, love. And I hope one day, should you want to, if we continue to see where this path leads us, I definitely would love to hear about it one day. But for now, just know this, Corey. And she looks over to your two daughters, who have finished their ice cream and kind of have started falling asleep a little bit on each other on the tree. And she looks at the girls and looks back at you and says, I don't think a man, uh, I think, a, I don't think a man who thinks that unworthy of love could have raised such two beautiful girls over there. And she's, she looks at you into your eyes, Corey. And she says, I could tell just by the way you interact with them tonight and just, how much they love you, Corey. I think deep down, you are worthy of a person to be loved. Otherwise, you wouldn't have raised such young, beautiful, respectful, and lovable girls. And she turns to you, and look, still looking into your eyes, and says... Corey mm-hmm. does have one slight tear which he quickly brushes away. It's okay, love. You don't need to put on this tough bravado. It's okay to... Let go once in a while. And you just gotta let it, you just gotta allow that in. I listen, it's been years for me, just like it's been years for you. 
but don't you think it's time? Don't you think you deserve some happiness now after everything that you've given to these girls so far? That's what I'm going to try to do. And of course, it's not going to be easy, but if you would have me, I would love to continue to show you how much love you are meant to have. And she kind of now, she grabs your hand and holds it tightly, Corey, and just leans in a little bit and puts her head on your shoulders and says, we'll take things slow. But I think this was, I think this is the perfect way to start off what could potentially be a beautiful adventure together. What do you say, Mr. O'Reilly? Are you ready to jump in the waters and see where this uncharted course takes us? Jory smiling says, yes, I am. And so she turns to you and she gives you a quick kiss on the cheek and just rubs your face and says, good. Now then, speaking of adventures, I think we conclude this off. Let's conclude this one in the best way possible. I'll help you take your daughters to the car and then... I'll call you tomorrow. I'll call you later. I would definitely like that. Oh, and then of course, if you need to get a hold of me and I don't answer my phone, usually probably I'm at the school. So you could come stop by anytime and see me if you wish, but give me a call. And so she kind of stands up and picks you up, says, now then let's get these two sleeping beauties back to their beds. <laughs> yep. As Corey smiles, as as what instead of what a waste of a level, as think for me at why was I was thinking about this instead of what a waste of a lovely night. That's what I would usually think about for scenes like this. For some reason, like in my head, lovely day is playing in Corey's head. <laughs> Aww. we love to see that. Yep. So as Catherine, as Catherine helps you get Eowyn and Winnie into the car, they're still asleep in the back seat. And Catherine walks up to you and gives you, I will say she is a little bit taller than you. So she bends down a little bit and gives you a quick kiss on the forehead and says, thank you for a wonderful evening. Cool. Have a safe travel home. And I look forward to your phone call as she promptly turns around begins walking to her car which is a couple places down on the street as she gets in starts the engine and begins turning out into the street and driving away leaving you and your girls in the car with alone with your thoughts so Corey what's going through your head right now Corey is surprised how well this all went in his head you, as he's making sure the girls are buggled in before he starts driving. So, yeah, so he, as he's going to check the phone again to see if Friedrich responded. I will say that it still says red. So you probably figure he's predisposed at the moment. But you, for the first time in a while, Corey, as you start up your car and you begin the journey back to your house, the first time in forever... You, it's been quite a while since you can actually feel a genuine warmth and a smile spread across your face. It's been a while since Corey has actually experienced what actual happiness and joy feels like. And so that feeling lingers a little bit as you make your way back home. 
And as you're driving, you can just see not a scary smile, not a crooked smile of a mobster, but a genuine joyful smile appears on the face of one Mr. Corey O'Reilly as he makes his way back home. Definitely that is happening, but there is the nagging voice saying he shouldn't be happy. It's saying the more happy you are, the more carnage happens. It's more like it's more like just how life has treated him when he was happy before. He's just got that nagging voice. Oh yeah. So as that nagging voice permeates your thoughts a little bit, you also hear two other voices permeate one of your deceased wife iterating what you heard of in the bathroom, metaphorically speaking, it says you deserve to be happy, love, and whether it's with me or our girls or anything in life, never be afraid to allow yourself to enjoy a little bit of love. And then you also hear a new voice permeate as the voice of Catherine repeating what she told you. No matter, no matter how much of undeserving you feel about it, Corey, you deserve to be happy. You just need to allow yourself that chance and it will take you far. So the nagging voice does still linger a little bit, but you also have two beautiful voices also telling you that you, Mr. O'Reilly, are somebody who is worthy of love as you make your way home. Simultaneously, Friedrich, you, after a couple of minutes, Dawes kind of collects herself, thanks you, and you wait until she proceeds to walk into her apartment building, and then you slowly make your way back to the siren where Dawes is still there. As you are walking by yourself, the loneliness doesn't go away anytime soon, and it's going to take a while for you to feel that you are no longer shackled by those chains of loneliness. But as you're walking back to the siren, Friedrich, you are overcome with a, even for a brief moment, it may seem, you're overcome with the warmth of the feeling of peace, knowing that it seems that despite everything that you've gone through so far, and even through the adventures that you, Quinn, and Dawes have had, you are appreciative and you feel so much more closer to Daz being able to see underneath that tough exterior of hers. And you know that it's now more than ever that it's important that you three continue to forge this bond that you have and to continue to be there for each other. Because at the end of the day, the three of you are all you got each other the three of you are all you guys got for each other and you slowly make your way back to the siren where you hope that officer quinn hasn't done anything terrible so we cut to as the moon begins to fade and the night begins to turn into the twilight of the morning we fast forward Friedrich, you let you knew damn well that you weren't going to let Quinn go home. And so he's currently crashed out on your couch asleep 
And as you after you brought Quinn home, you went to sleep on your little ottoman sofa because you couldn't make your way up the bed and all that good stuff. But you're up bright and early like you normally are. Cerberus is just still asleep in his little doggy bed. As you're drinking your morning coffee, you read your texts. You turn on your phone, text message from Corey again saying, hey, I'm at the local coffee shop. If you want to meet with me before we continue with our investigation, you can. Friedrich, do you go and meet with Corey? Yeah, I respond with. Just got back to the house. Let me shower, be with you in 30 minutes, something like that. Okay. So you send that, and then Corey, you get that response. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Corey's going to wait at the coffee shop. Alrighty. So. And before I leave mm-hmm. my place, I quite literally write down on a note card and pin it to Quinn's shirt, letting him know, letting him know where I'm going to be. Okay, cool. That works. Alrighty. So for the sake of it, Friedrich, you shower, you get dressed. It's, it's still, I'll say it's Sunday. So technically you have the day off, so to speak, which is rare, but you're still in your civvies. You go over to the coffee shop and you enter Corey in the back booth, so to speak. And uh, you walk on over and take a seat, and I will let the two of you go ahead and have this scene. I'm sorry about so I... No, you go. Oh, as Friedrich is sitting down, he just says, Good morning, Mr. O'Reilly. Good morning, Friedrich. I'm sorry Long about night, I'm Long and thought about yesterday. And I'm taking some advice, which I got from yesterday as well. Oh, really? What the, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but what, did you seek some sort of counseling, or you caught up a, a friend or something? Uh, I did go to a friend originally, then I got home, then my daughters decided, uh, hey, we're going to put Dad on a dating app. And I had a date last night. Yeah, last night was confusing. You, Mr. Corey O'Reilly, on a date. Hey, I was married once. Yeah, yeah. Seems so good at that. It was your daughter that set up this profile for you. Yes. Guess what? Let me guess. It was done behind your back. Of course. And it was on plenty of risks. Oh, no. I am actually surprised <laughs> that it actually worked. A lot of things went well. Usually, uh, things like that, that don't tend to work out very well. They don't. But that's one good thing to look for- forward to. I want to... Listen, I'm going to tell you why at least I think Dawes doesn't like me. Have you heard of the... F- Fire of 1997. I've uh, I've heard a little bit about it, but... We're both survivors of that fire. Oh, really? Yes. Some people who will go back enough to see what I did in my life and know what I become probably blame me for the fire, which is something which I accepted for... The longest time. 
And that's probably why Dawes hates me. And I'll let her keep that hate for now. Oh, are you saying that you... That? The one that... Said it? My father did. Oh, shice. Yes. But... As I am the one who did decide... To somewhat father some of my father's footsteps... A.K.A. join a criminal organization to survive, or to live off of. Some of those sins I must accept. I accept my father's sin of destroying that building. And if... I don't know if her hatred of me helps her do her job better or not, but if it does, let her keep on hating me. We both lost something that day. I lost my darkness. She lost her mother. Shouldn't you let her know that it wasn't because of you? Can you please repeat that? I'm sorry, my, my audio decided to cut right there. Let's rewind. You reiterate. You shouldn't you tell her that you weren't the one who set that fire? Do you think she'd really accept the excuse of my dead father caused the fire? I, the well-known criminal, did not cause that fire. It was not my first crime. Do you think she would really accept that truth? All I know is I've known her for a long time, and there's a lot of things that she knows that I don't know about. I'm not saying she will. I'm not saying that she won't. I'm just saying that there is a possibility that she would understand. She was the one that really opened my eyes to the rift. I just thought I had always had a connection with animals. But when I first met Cerberus, I saw that, that black mist coming off. And that's when she really told me about and she, people like and us. And you're lucky. She was your first experience of what a rift was. And her grandmother was probably what helped her with the rift that she has now. But everyone always thinks about the way that it helps. No one ever thinks about what makes a man. My, my first experience with the mist was not good. It is how I've experienced this life. The mist is both a blessing and a curse. Sure, it's a blessing to. Cops, they can do their job easier. But when actual monsters get those types of powers, nothing can stop them. I don't think you're a monster, Miss O'Reilly. Yeah, you do have, and in air quotes, I say, a pass, but... I, ne I never said I was a monster. I'm just a poor imitation of, a, of one which is. Let me put it this way. Do you know... Why I was more of an agent of chaos than... Sure, I caused damage, but not a lot of people died. Do you know why? Why is that, Mr. O'Reilly? Because I already saw how much death can be caused by those powers. My father was a true devil this city. And back in those days, if the, there was no such thing as rift cops, every rift was out for themselves mostly. The best you could do is try to get with one of the crime families to have their help. There was no 
commission. There was no chiefs that had had powers. You may have found a cop, but or a vigilante, but no one could deal with the true threats. So, so back in your I day, did. it was more get as far ahead as you can when you can. Yes, it still is partially this day. Just people try to do it more covertly. Yeah. To be fair, I am going to have to have talk about my father to Dawes. That's going to be a day that could end up pulling into an all-nighter, but if you ask me, I think you should tell her. Because... I definitely am. I definitely am. Just when is the better question? Yeah, it's not so much a matter of should I, but then I, but yeah, I know what you're saying, Sarah. Yeah. But last night I was actually able to talk with Dawes, and she just, she just doesn't know what to do. None of us do in this world. I'm still trying to figure out why you thought it was a good idea to bring me into this detective world at the time. Sure, I might know about the criminal world, but that's it. And to be fair, I see you're kind of background. You might notice things that that me and my friends won't notice. But somebody with your background, it can broaden our perspective, keep our eyes out for things that we don't expect to look for. The worst part about this situation, I I never knew Dawes was a survivor of that fire. I after I so got out of there. I didn't look back. I had my one night with Miss You, and then that's when I went down this path, which I, which I have stayed on this. I retired. She is lucky to still have the light in her. I may have lost my father's shadow, but I did embrace that very shadow later in life. At least, at least she embraced. That light her mother probably gave her. I'll let you in on this, Miss O'Reilly. Because last night was a side that I knew I would see one day. But I didn't expect to see that side of her when I did. But I'll say this. that She's sorry for what she said yesterday. She told me herself. She doesn't know. Why she blew up the way she did. Because she was mad that I told the woman the truth. But I understand. I've lost someone as well. But you told that the truth. The reason she acted the way she did is because she was sick of seeing people lose who they cared about like that. Just all of a sudden they're gone. But I told her that we will do our job and we will try our damnedest to find her. And if we find her dead, I have one option to bring her back. This is a city this is a city of magic after all. It is, it is. But even if we do find her dead, even if for some reason you can't bring her back. At least we would be able to bring her closure. Everyone deserves and some closure. 
and sometimes just having closures the one thing that could help someone move on yep it's a crazy world we live in just being an average person but same when you saw magic like this since it's a mix it just makes it even that more crazier i absolutely agree i believe it is time that we get ready to go i agree we still have one job to finish. That we do, Mr. O'Reilly. I'll see you later. I'll be the same. As Corey, Corey Wright nods and walks, the other, walks out. Okay. And then Friedrich, I assume And I'm going to that... go to the counter and get a coffee for, for Quinn for when I get back to the house. Okay. So you pay for the coffee, Friedrich, and you make your way out. As the two of you are making, as the two of you are making your way back to your respective houses, so to speak, you both receive a text message on your phones. The text message is from the chief. And in this text message, it says, I hate to do this to you boys on the weekend, but I need you to come to the station ASAP. Uh, you have a visitor. Gory is getting the car and going. Okay, so you're making your way to the station. Friedrich, I'm assuming you're going to make your way as well. After you drop off the coffee. Yeah, when, I see the, uh, when I see the text come through, I don't have my phone unlocked, so I just see the name of who sent it, and I just see, I hate to do this on the weekend, but... And for a solid minute, Friedrich is just going to be there just quietly yelling in just solid German for a good solid minute. And then he's going to open up the text message and be like, oh, a visitor? That's different. But then I'm going to go home, give Quinn the coffee, tell him to sew her up as fast as he can. Then I'm going to go and get out of like my t-shirt and jeans that I'm in into some I guess you can say, like, off-duty police clothes, so to speak. So, just, like, some uh, cargo pants and long-sleeve, like, button-up shirt. And I'm going to get some of my gear. I'm not going to have a whole, like, taser and mace and all that. Just I'm just grabbing, like, the bare necessities. Wallet, keys, gun, go. Okay. Alrighty. Friedrich, you get your stuff. You head over to the station. Corey, you're on your way. You both make your way to the station and you head straight into the chief's office. So the chief is sitting behind his desk. And as the two of you walk in, seated in one of the chairs in front of him is a gruff looking gentleman. He has jet black hair, but there are showings of that gray salt and pepper color matted in it. He has a five o'clock shadow going on as far as facial hair goes. He is auburn kind of colored skin tone. He is dressed in a very typical like brown colored trench coat with a matching brown hat. Essentially, think of if for the audience, think of this person dressed into the nines 
famous fictional detective Dick Tracy, except instead of the yellow coat, it is a brown coat, but he's in that kind of getup. And as the two of you walk in, this gentleman stands up. The chief is like, yes, boys, this individual wanted to talk to you, too. And as he stands up, this gentleman looks at both of you and says, the name's P.I. Holiday. Let's have a talk. I believe you work in the same case as I am. And I believe I have information that you're looking for. I know where the the missing Woodworth wife is. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we're going to end the session tonight. (laughs) No, P.I. Holiday is his name. He knows where Ellie's missing wife is, apparently. But we're going to have to find out next session what that entails. (laughs) Yep. So a bit of a transitional kind of series of events. I really enjoyed it. We'll talk more off camera, but you guys did an awesome job. And now we're entering into the final act of this case because all that's left is to go to the carnival. What kind of shenanigans will our detectives and their friends get into? Who is P.I. Holiday and what and how does he know where Mrs. Woodworth, Ellie's wife, is. You're going to have to come back next time to find all that out. As always, from all of us here at the D&D Vibe Tribe, and especially for all of us here at Knights of Pain Town, remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, let the good times roll. From all of us here, until next time, see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.